0: what's up everybody you are listening to suds buds the show where good buds talk good suds with the wonderful workers of the beer industry uh i'm your host eric anderson and in studio with me our season two (laughs) co-host the man with the the long brown locks mr nate up what's going on sir how are we doing today fella i'm doing all right man it's been a pretty good day all right Saw so you got a brand new TV when I showed up. I got yeah, I got a new TV today. Um got uh I got uh a COVID test came back negative, so that was awesome. Congrats. Um yeah, just kind of trying to hunker down though for the most part. Um probably worth noting since this episode is gonna come out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe either this Thursday or next Thursday. It might be a Thanksgiving episode, will probably be the following week. But uh We've been laid off here. We uh, both work at breweries, as listeners of the show know, and uh, yeah, it's been a tough one, man. But we're trying to make the best of it and get through it together and stay
1: strong. But this is kind of week number one, right? Yep, yep. Uh, it was a pretty easy pivot. I mean, we switched back to deliveries, which is is a fun time. It's kind of weird seeing people on their turf. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, plug it. Plug it. I, I, I don't hate i don't hate it it's just a real weird thing like a knock on somebody's door yeah and it's like oh this person's in the brewery pretty often and now i'm at their house right yeah like i I still haven't gotten used to that yeah but it is nice i kind of enjoy doing the
0: the growler deliveries through bald man just uh you know it's just a nice like you said just kind of a nice little pivot um dealing with a lot of similar clientele but just uh in a different aspect it reminds me of delivering pizzas a lot of, like a lot of the time which i don't mind it's kind of fun but uh yeah it's been it's been a bummer though it's been tough for us and a lot of the people around us especially a lot of the people i mean really everyone everyone owners brewers uh beer tenders marketing people it's just been weird times and this is kind of our second one that we've had to deal with this year so hopefully it's not as long and hopefully you know we can get through it, you know, turn a curve or something, but it's been a it's been a rough year,
1: yeah, not ideal, but I think everybody's holding on pretty strong, yeah, um I'm hopeful I think the community really came out for us last time, so I'm hoping for more of the same there, yeah, I agree, but uh on a much lighter note, we've had a pretty pretty chill afternoon here at the studio, oh yeah. I uh, did drag Eric's ass across the green in Mario Golf. Um, <laughs> so that was very exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, drag my ass. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but you beat me. You beat uh, me in slim margin, but sl- I don't think I think you finished with what plus fifteen. <laughs> yes, I, I I might might be misremembering the numbers. Yeah, though. I think you're misremembering a little <laughs> bit. But
0: uh, I guess on a better note than that, we had a delicious beer as well. Well, a couple Ooh. of them. We uh we split a little bottle of Duchess earlier. And, that was uh, wild that's always a fantastic one your first time trying it yeah um because i'm sorry what was the style again it's a
1: um flemish sour i believe okay yeah i because you had told me it was a sour and it was just like uh i kind of went in thinking you know more wow. like a modern sour there but it was a lot different than that yeah yeah
0: Real tasty stuff. But uh, yeah, we had one of those. And then we also sampled. um, The only reason I'm not going to review that one is because we (laughs) have had it before on the show. Dustin had it here with us last season. But uh, one that we will give a quick review on was uh, uh, Lemon Meringue Pastry Sour from the fine folks
1: over at Jackpine. Yeah, another one based off. They've done a few pastry sours based off their cream ale. Yeah. Which is, yeah, they all ended up pretty great. Um, I was big on this one and I normally am very adverse to lactose. Yeah. Like I, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, probably during our growler in a box episode a couple of times. Um, but yeah, they did. It was in this one. It was definitely more to like balance the flavor than just for a mouthfeel texture kind of thing. For sure. I kind of agree. I'm not usually a huge lactose and beer kind of guy. I
0: mean, there's exceptions for sure. Um, I do like some milk stouts and things of that nature. But uh, yeah, as far as lactose sour, is usually not my jam, but uh, it was pretty tasty. Not super tart, but kind of uh, touched on all those flavors I would associate with a lemon meringue pie. So as far as, uh, I don't know, if you're feeling something sweet and citrusy <laughs> and, uh, you know, just a nice, tasty pastry beer, I'd say it's probably a, a go. Yeah. I uh, Again, I have yet to have anything from them I didn't
1: like. Yeah. If you had to give it a review on the old five-star scale, where's it sitting? You? That's probably sitting a solid four. Yeah. Um, yeah. definitely would buy it again. Uh, it's, you know, not again, I'm more of a quantity kind of drinker on a lot of my favorite beers, but that one, that one definitely brought it home. I,
0: I kind of agree. I would, I think I would give it a four too. Um, yeah, I, for the same reasons would buy it again. Um, it was what i was looking for and expecting and, and hit those notes and just mm-hmm. it's a beer that tastes like what what it is you yeah. know and i always have an appreciation for that so <laughs> when when it delivers on the flavor 100 percent. well i think it's time we get to uh, the main event here tonight hell yeah i've been staring at this beer like the entire pre-show here i'm pretty excited man um let's crack open the conversation our guest this evening on suds buds is uh head brewer and production manager over at steel toe brewing in st louis park minnesota mr michael wagner welcome to the show
2: yeah thanks for having me good to good to be on good to good to still be doing something in this strange <laughs> world right
1: <laughs> absolutely hey, we're just claw, clawing
0: for something to do at this point it's so true man it's yeah. like the simplest things that I'm can bring joy to, to someone's to day ready. right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Michael, you uh, selected a great assortment of beers that we're going to sample tonight. I'm curious to see uh, your reasoning for each of these beers. I got a pretty good feeling I know why you picked two of them. But the third, I'm, I'm curious to hear the story behind. Uh, what do we want to lead off with tonight?
2: I, I mean, uh, let's start with Saison DuPont. Uh, hey, that's the way know. to go.
0: Awesome man, let's do it. So,
2: yeah, I mean, Saison Dupont is just such a classic. And I can say classic in such a it's such a easy way to say it, but I mean it is it's such a pivotal beer in historical context and in terms of how it really defines the style of Saison, you know, the heritage of that that farmhouse beer. Uh, it's just a gorgeous beer and it's been gorgeous for, you know, a very, very long time. Um, I think it just sets the bar. So, you know, obviously the other two beers are steel toe beers cause you know, I have some vested interest in that to, uh, you know, do some promotion on some steel toe stuff, but you don't uh, say, but I, what was that? You don't say. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I'd, I'd probably do this whole thing and maybe pick one steel toe beer and pick a bunch of other beers because I, I definitely get inspired and have in my career in beer, uh, you know, been inspired by a lot of the classical styles and, and then now being inspired by what other brewers are doing. And if I'm not paying attention to what other people were doing, I'm, I'm kind of losing out. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff being done. But oft- oftentimes I tend to, to go back to the classics. You know, I, I go really classic European tradition brewing is t- tends to be where I go to. So that's why I picked Saison du Ponton. It's, uh, it's one of my, one of my favorites. So.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's, uh, let's give it a go, Nate. It looks like you've already got <laughs> two, uh, two little glasses poured up here. I already
1: cracked open that conversation, you know? Love it. <laughs> I'm impatient. Cheers, man. Cheers, Michael.
2: Yeah. Cheers.
0: real tasty this is one i i haven't had in quite a long time was actually kind of happy you brought it up because uh you know most people we have on the show we kind of it's kind of a given that they're going to select i mean we hope they select a couple of their beers right because that's kind of why we do this is to try new stuff from new breweries but uh something we also try to do on the show is uh an appreciation for like some beers that have been around for over a hundred years, you know, and real traditional stuff back to the roots, back to the basics. So this is a cool one that I've had before, but we've actually never had on the show. So kind of, uh, yeah, kind of excited to chat about it.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: But, uh, let's take it back to the beginning, man. Uh, a lot of times we have guests on this show that are friends of ours or friends of friends or coworkers, but this is, your first time sitting across from me and Nate. Uh we've never met before. So yeah. um uh,
2: we're, we're we're industry ancillary, you know. I, I uh I, I didn't know you guys, but it's uh it's great to meet you. It's it's cool to kind of talk in this this setting and real chill situation. So, yeah. Chat it up.
0: So, where did your story start? I'm talking long before beer. Like where where were you born?
2: I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um so, uh, born and raised out in, out in Pennsylvania and you know, grew up there and, you know, I, I grew up around a lot of, uh, the German, Polish, Czech immigrant community on the North side of Pittsburgh. Um, so a lot of the tradition of like being around beer and, and family and that type of stuff was certainly part of what happened. And, um, so early on, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really get into beer until, after college like really into beer um but yeah I, I grew up in pennsylvania i went to college in west virginia i went to west virginia university mountaineers and uh after college i got a job in the corporate world and and moved around a little bit i was in north carolina and lived in ohio and um that job took me out here it was either milwaukee or minneapolis and i had been to milwaukee a little bit for for work with that that company and um, it was, like I said, it was kind of one or the other. I'd, ha- I'd have to travel to Milwaukee periodically, but I could live in Minneapolis and kind of work with some accounts and stuff up here. So I chose Minneapolis and that brought me here. And I've, I've been here now for 15, 16 years. Um, so it's, uh, it really changed the whole dynamic of where, like what my life tra- trajectory was probably going to be moving here. Um you know, going to college. I mean, I got a job, I worked for a a big company and I probably would have done that, but I, I didn't really have the passion for what I was doing. And, you know, once I kind of got into things and and grew up a little bit and got into my mid and late twenties, I realized that I really needed to have some type of level of commitment and passion to the thing that I was doing. And I wasn't really sure how I was going to do that, but, uh, A buddy of mine and I, we were, I think about 25 and we went on a trip to Europe and we went all around Europe. We went to Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, uh, Austria, but I mean, it was mostly to experience beer. We went to some of the Trappist monasteries in Belgium. I came back with this ridiculous, like kind of obsession about what beer was and what beer could be. And I got into home brewing, and then it kind of one thing led to another. And now I've, I mean, I jump ahead, but now I've been in the beer industry about twelve years, and um, worked in on the retail side. Went to brewing school, did Cicerone and BJCP stuff, and um, so went to brewing school with the American Brewers Guild. And I've uh, been at Steel Toe for the last six years. So, yeah, it's, that's kind of the the quick version of where I started and how I am here now.
0: <laughs> that's awesome man that's so cool um
2: yeah was it the trip to europe was pivotal i mean uh, it was, yeah i, I was getting gonna... back and i i mean I, just, I didn't i didn't know what i wanted to do i had my corporate job at that point but i knew that coming back from that there was something about the culture of beer there's something about the people involved in it in that way in europe and how it was just it was a part of everything especially yeah. in belgium and germany um it was pivotal. I mean, it, it changed the direction. I was like, I need to do this in some way. I need to be in this world In this.
1: Yeah. The, um, I I spent some, a couple weeks over in Berlin and I mean, same kind of thing. It was just nonstop. Everything was just, every time you go somewhere it wouldn't really matter. It was all just great. Like, yeah. And everybody was
2: fantastic.
1: Yep. (laughs) It was weird going that long without having a bad beer. Like (laughs) even the cheap ones. I'm like, no, I can get, (laughs) I can get behind this. Um, and then, yeah, just also kind of foster my love. I'm huge on Belgian styles. So, you know, really appreciate this Saison here. That's, uh, all about that.
2: I I think Belgium to me is the, um, it is the crossroads of everything that makes beer great and exceptional and on par with any other exceptional thing, whether it's coffee, wine, champagne, whatever. Be- Belgium is the crossroads of all of these cultures kind of clashing. Germanic culture, French culture, culture of the Netherlands and, and of um, you know the UK, all kind of clash in Belgium. And it's this place where they can't grow grapes, so they kind of got into beer and then they took beer and treated it like they treat grapes in, in France and they, they, they don't have the strict approach that the Germans do. So they didn't really, they were like, well, we're just going to do whatever the hell we want to do. And, you know, we're going to put things in barrels and we're going to add bacterias and we're going to allow wild yeast to ferment things and we're going to blend things when they're done. and I, uh, I, the, the tradition of brewing in Belgium is such a cool crossroads of everything. Uh, it's, it's really unique to me and one of it's, it's a really cool and special place. And a beer like Saison DuPont just kind of defines that where it's like, they basically took a German Pilsner and we're like, well, but we're going to make it kind of better, you know, <laughs> and not, and German Pilsners are amazing. Right. But, I mean, they basically took the ingredients, they took the ingredients of a German Pilsner and they're like yeah, but we have these, you know, cool yeasts and we're going to, you know, give it this really floral hop character. And, you know, it's really dry and effervescent. It's, it's just, it's, it's own thing. It's absolutely gorgeous. So it's, it's, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. It's a good beer. It's
0: fantastic. My first time coming into contact with this beer would have been when I was working again had a lot of beer stories that started this way but working at a liquor store in golden valley when i was going to school in the twin cities and i started there before i was 21 and so i kind of had my eye on all these beers like a lot of just micro beers craft beers um but then once i was finally 21 and i had that sweet sweet store discount (laughs) it was kind of like uh i decided one day to start venturing into you know what are these big dusty corked bottles sitting on the bottom shelf? And the, you know, cause it was some stuff that frankly people just didn't know what it was in that area. Um, yeah. And so I remember just trying like, um, Oh man, I, just like Delirium Tremis and, and Le Fin Dumont and some of these beers, uh, uh, Cuvée
1: de Jacobin. Like, Thank you for turning me on to Le Fin Dumont, by the way. So Hot good. Damn. So good. And yeah. it's weird that it's in every liquor store. Like yeah. even the dived ones. It's like, nope. For some reason they got a bottle of that.
0: Yeah, you'll yep. find
1: a big uh big seven fifty of it. My hometown, which has I don't know, like four craft beers in like their entire cooler. Yeah. They've got it. Oh, <laughs> it's see. like why?
0: It's a treat. Like you're right. You can find it anywhere and it's it's always good. But I uh I definitely got introduced to them like when I was in school when I was 21 like i was i was spoiled a little bit and it kind of blew my mind as to what beer could be you know
1: but. you know i'm over here drinking bud light platinums so like it's your bro <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a, I,
2: I, there's a time and a place for that i don't know Amen. About Bud yes. Light platinum but i mean there's there, there's a time and a place for all of it you know it's, it's yeah. one of those things you know er, er, early on early on in beer you know you, I, I won't say i was snobby but I was, uh, you know, I was a little elitist about what beer was Yeah. and you know, you get to a certain point in your, where you realize that like, it's not what it's about, you know, whatever, whatever you want to drink, drink that, you know, it's whatever you want to drink at that moment, enjoy it. You know, beer is one of those things. that's it's, uh, it's pragmatic. It's for everybody. It's, you know, the best of the best beers are Fractions of the price of you know the best wines and and other comparable you know liquors and so bourbons true. and things like that. I mean the the best of the best beers you can buy for pennies on the dollar <laughs> for, you know other things. So
1: and that's why I prefer yeah. this realm to wine. I mean yeah. like that. What's that saying? It's like the when it comes to wine, yeah. it's like a whatever you like, you like. Like stop trying to spend more money on this than you need to yeah. because it's you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Like.
2: Have a ten dollar bottle of wine and you enjoy it. Just drink it. It's the same thing. If you like, if you like Bud Light, just drink Bud Light. You know, mm-hmm. or, or if you like, you know, whatever. I mean, I one of my favorite treat, I I love Pacifico and I love uh I love Bush Light. If I'm Ooh. going, if I'm going cheap beers, I go for some Bush Light.
1: Bush Light, yeah, Hams I'll, for me. I am,
2: hams is a good one too. Yeah.
1: I'm big on Hams. um I am a convert on that Black Label though. Yeah, what the hell was it? Have you ever had Carling's Black Label before?
0: no we had a a a buddy of ours on the show and he's from iowa and when he told me like this beer that he wanted us to drink on the show i'm like is that even and he sent me a picture of it i'm like dude i've never seen that before and he's (laughs) like no it's not an iowa beer it's a canadian beer it's like next to molson and labatt so i'm like i love molson and labatt and like i've never seen this beer before and Sure enough, he tracked it down somewhere. Like, he lives in Minnesota now, so I know it's it's in the Twin Cities it's somewhere. somewhere. Yeah.
2: Funny. I've it never was... heard of it. I, I remember being – Oh, go ahead. I remember early on being into, like, the Canadian macro beers, Like, they were – because they were different than yeah. – You know, you get, like – you could get Moosehead in Pennsylvania. Like, when I was a girl, you get Moosehead and Labatt and uh, – I'm trying to think of some other ones – Molson, you know. But uh, I, I remember early on, those Canadian macro beers were like, that was like the golden ticket. You're like, oh man, you got some moose head? It's good stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're not bad. Wait, do you I guys? I
2: out this Car- Carling's Black. Huh?
1: Black label, yeah. yeah. It, it looks like one of those brands that like, they figured their shit out in like late 80s, early 90s. And that was just the end of their advertising. They're like, they, they ran with it. Exactly. We're good now we did it guys but it was really good it was it was really tasty like just ultra light but uh, super easy yeah yeah (laughs) in uh in pennsylvania did you guys have yingling oh yeah yeah i
2: yeah so so yingling is a it's a pennsylvania staple it's from eastern pennsylvania out in possible it's like north of philadelphia (sighs) But, but um but it's it's yeah i mean it's all over out there
1: It, um, every time I'm like down in new Orleans or visiting my brother in Texas, he lives in, um, East Texas. So they like, that's pretty much as far South as they go. Um, but I don't know what it is about that beer. I think actually I do know what it is. Um, he, they showed me, I was at a bar and they showed me this thing. They call it a turbo where you add just a shot of Bacardi Limon to it. It, yeah. It's wild. It is impossibly good. Interesting. Cartier <laughs>
2: Limon in a Yingling? Yeah. That's insane.
1: It. I, uh, I I didn't know that there was like berry flavor in Yingling until they added that. And then I was like, oh, no, there's a little berry in there. It's like a weird lemon <laughs> berry shandy. Yeah. But That's I would funny. shred lightly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That sounds dangerous,
0: but also weirdly delicious.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always have him bring me a case when he comes up and visits. Hell yeah,
2: <laughs> it's funny. The, the good well, thing for me was that in, in Pennsylvania, when I when I did initially get into like craft beer, like in college ish, uh, I'll say maybe earlier than that. But you know, when I we 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 were exposed to, there were a, a lot of brands out there that weren't macro brands that we drank like they were macro brands. So we drank like Yingling, uh, we drank uh, uh, was it Strohs. Um, we drank uh genesee cream ale from new york you know we drank all these like weird beers very early on because it was like know, it was bucking the tradition of drinking the cheap like miller lights Bud lights like those things sure and we had access to them you know maybe through older brothers and you know older cousins and things like that but we had access to like a lot of different beers in pennsylvania because of our proximity to a lot of other stuff out there and there's just so there's a a rich brewing tradition in Pennsylvania, it being a you know old German immigrant inhabited place. So there are a lot of people making beer out there. Uh, so early on, we had some options, even when we were choosing cheap stuff.
1: Damn y'all! Y'all are spoiled.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now everybody's spoiled, I and mean, we look yeah. at things here, oh and God. I mean, you know we uh, we have access to all kinds of stuff here, and I mean we have one of the best old breweries in the country here with uh, with shells, you know.
0: They're
2: oh, doing all, all kinds of cool
1: stuff down there. For sure.
2: I need to jump in on the Saison DuPont thing. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gotta clean up a little bit here. Uh, you got that? Opener.
0: I think uh, I think I left it with you.
1: Oh, that might be right.
0: I think you pocketed the bottle <laughs> opener. <laughs>
1: I've
0: got a I got a habit. Leave me alone, man. Here, Passy, I could probably open it with the Sharpie. Let's
1: yeah, there see. You go. It's time for magic tricks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, damn, look at that i'm gonna nice. keep that bottle opener now
2: yeah.
1: you, you got a sharpie you don't need it things we need in the studio a bottle opener you'd think <laughs> we would have figured that out after season one
2: <laughs> so what, what, what do you guys think of the saison du and what's what's your uh, where, where, where are you going oh
1: Man. i'm i'm huge on this um or do you already get some
0: yeah oh, top me off okay you, you keep talking oh, yeah, i want to hear yeah. your review
1: <laughs> no i'm i'm huge on this one um saisons have been honestly one of my more sought after styles um I, I like that this is a little more mellow on some of those effervescent notes it's not quite as floral um as like a lot of the saisons we get around here or a lot of the, like the local saisons um and again like there's something for me like the while i like those really heavy beers you know kind of but there a lot of them more like a one and done
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so for me just like could I drink a good amount of this? Like, could this kind of be an afternoon for me where I can keep coming back? It's not going to kill me. It's not going to be over the top. Um, and this beer definitely hits that mark. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um,
0: I know one of the big things we use in our skill, like is what we determine to rate it is, would we buy it again? And this is like hundred percent for me. I mean, um, I love this beer before I, I, I love it more now cause it's been a long time since I've had it. But, uh, yeah, I, me personally, I like, um, I tend to gravitate towards styles of beer that are a little higher carbonated. And so Saison's half of weisins, things like that have definitely been up my alley as of late. Cause I didn't even know that about myself till maybe like a year ago. It was like, why did certain beers just not, you know, weren't driving with me as much. And, uh, so, yeah, Cezanne's just that that um, crisp, a lot of bubbles, but also just that little bit of sweetness. Um, yeah, definitely sits real good with me. If I had to rate this one, I would say Cezanne DuPont's probably getting a 4.3 from me. It's an OG, and it's definitely one that's going to be making its way into my fridge again. So. Nice. I'm going to say yeah, that. It's, it's, it's one of
2: those – it's one of those beers that just defines the style. I th- I think that if uh you know if, if if High Life hadn't hadn't yanked that you know champagne of beers, I mean this is really the true champagne of beers. <laughs> at least yeah. at least like like a true Belgian saison, like those beers. It's really what they are. You know they're they're brewed like a German pilsner, but they're trying to be a a French champagne, and that's that's the beauty of Belgium. I mean that's that, that's what they do i mean who who would have thought to make a beer that's super effervescent super carbonated a little bit sweet floral a little bit of you know white peppery spiciness like it's just got all of these things it shouldn't be what it is but it's but it just kind of ends up being perfect
1: yeah it really does yeah with all those like especially all those different flavors going on like when you describe it if people had never had it you'd be, they'd be like this is going to be over the top this is going to be one of those like i'm going to drink 10 ounces and be done with it but it is just but yeah. like there's a part of you that knows you could probably crush a
0: four pack if you really <laughs> had to you know if you just got a weird bug up your ass but i don't i don't know if it would be like a really have to like i could probably do that <laughs> <Yeah>. by accident <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think you described it perfectly though like it's yeah you got it you got it dialed in it's a uh, little floral little pepper a little sweet um yeah real tasty beer what would you what would you give it on the old five star Nate? Um, well, you
1: know, as, as my avid listeners, <laughs> you know, the Brewers, uh, know me as. I'm Mr. Belgian. Mr. Belgian himself, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, this would be like a four or five for me. Four point five. Four point five. Yep. Also very strong. Just I a, <laughs> a, anytime a Saison comes across, I'll I'll pick it up. Um again, I I think I didn't really realize that that higher carb thing played as much into it as it did, but that's a big deal for me too. Um, just something that's refreshing, but also has a good body to it. Yep.
0: How about for you, Michael? What, uh, what would you rate Cezanne DuPont? Uh,
2: yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it a, uh, you know, with, within its category and it, being so defining for, for that quote unquote style of Cezanne and Belgian farmhouse sale, I'd probably give it like a 4.7 somewhere around nice. there. You know, I think it, it really defines the category and everything else you can kind of measure around it. There are some things that I've had that I think are certainly as good or even better. Um, but I think because of its heritage and because of where it stands and that, kind of defining character. It's uh it's up there for me for sure. It's one of those beers that I regularly come back to just to kind of recalibrate myself and remember how good and how simple beer can be, but how uh you know how mu- how much flavor and character you can get from something that is so simple. You know, I mean this is this is very simple beer, you know, in its in its kind of purest form. Um, so yeah, it's good.
0: Awesome. Well, strong scores all around. That's got to be in the top five leaderboard for this season. But yeah, Cezanne DuPont, it's a unfiltered Belgian farmhouse style ale. So I shouldn't say
1: style. It is a Belgian <laughs> farmhouse say. ale. We're just yeah. so used to saying style every time we have to talk about Belgian beers that we get locally. Right. <laughs>
0: right. Well, Michael, what's up next? I'm excited to start talking about some Steel Toast stuff.
2: Yeah, I uh, don't. What do you want to? You want to do? We should do the IPA next. Love uh,
0: it.
2: Yeah, do the IPA. Yeah, we we got. Uh, so when we when we first talked about doing the show, or when he first uh, reached out to me, we had just recently launched this IPA. We had um, so before all of our cans were printed cans, and we didn't have the flexibility capability. We didn't have a printer in house to do labels on cans. And, uh, but the, you know, the pandemic, this whole COVID thing made us really realize that we needed to have some more flexibility. You know, when you, when you can't sell beer out of the tap room in any quantity and you don't have bars and restaurants to sell beer to, um, you realize really quickly that you need to be number one, flexible. And number two, you need to be able to put as much beer in your package as possible so you can get it to liquor stores and people can buy it. so we we invested pretty early on in the in the pandemic in the summer and got a labeler so we could put labels onto blank cans, and uh, I, we launched this IPA I want to say in like late September,
1: Oops. and
2: the we've we brewed several batches of it. We wanted to kind of run it basically through to the end of the year, so it basically ran like October, November, December is kind of the the way that it's running. So it's, we're right in the middle of it. Um, you know part of it is is uh it's classic in that it's it's pretty simple i mean it is a straightforward ipa we're definitely using some nouveau hops in it and trying to get you know that punchy juicy tropical hop character but um also part of it was just kind of you know it was it was a little bit of mid-pandemic frustration and and getting to the point where it was just like we were trying to come up with a name and we were I had already written the recipe and already kind of knew what it was gonna be. And I was like, what are what are we gonna call it? And I was like, it's gonna be called IPA. That's what we're gonna call it. We're gonna call it IPA. <laughs>
0: um
2: so that's what we did. We put our our uh our hop uh, uh, logo on it and put IPA under it and it's just a simple black label and it says IPA and that's what it is. And uh, you know, it's it's uh, like I said, it, it it just kind of it was part of being fed up and part of it just being like, this is what it is. It's an IPA, it's got hops, it's juicy, it's tropical, it's a newer style IPA. It's not a hazy, juicy, you know, it's it's not a New England style, it's just an IPA. And it's and if you like it, buy it and drink it, and if you don't, don't. And it was that, that was kind of that middle of the pandemic just fed up with everything go with it <laughs>
1: see, see if there's notes of so, frustration on the nose of this one <laughs>
2: yeah there was there is definitely some mid-pandemic frustration in this beer <laughs> hell yeah so, but i think i think it hits all all the right notes you know we're, we're trying to at, at steel toe we're constantly trying to ride the line between uh classic and tradition and um you know, and we obviously are aware of, you know, staying relevant and top of mind and making sure that, you know, trends don't pass us by and that consumer palates and consumer tastes don't change to our detriment, you know, where we get kind of left behind. So, we, you know, we're, I'm very aware of that type of stuff. Um, so this beer is, is um, you know, ap- appealing to that. You know, we're, we're appealing to the style of IPA that's less bitter more fruity, you know, more tropical in nature, more hop flavor and aroma forward, um, and not filtered. And uh, we decided to go with a little more moderate ABV at six and a half percent, you know, because I, I like things to be drinkable. My, my, my wheelhouse is, I think I would brew everything between about four and a half and six um was is the, that's my wheelhouse that's where i want to drink most of the time i i like stuff that's bigger but um but i, I tend to stay in that realm so we we went to the higher end of that six and a half percent i think it's a super drinkable fun delicious ipa so hell yeah it is.
0: very cool <laughs> well we're gonna take a quick little break but we will be right back to pick up our conversation with michael wagner and our review of steel toe ipa <laughs> love the name Right, back on Suds Buzz, Michael Wagner uh, from Steel Toe, and we were drinking the Steel Toe, just IPA, IPA. Nothing more, nothing less. It's going to be delicious. I'm looking
1: forward to it. I don't remember which episode I brought it up on, but I did bring up your guys' marketing, and yep. I love that it's just straightforward. It's not yep. like nothing's – it's clean yep it's not loud it's just clean so i want to say will
2: ever nobody will ever accuse us accuse us as uh like over branding anything (laughs) or uh you know hyping up or or marketing anything really
0: (laughs) and you know there's something to be said for really cool branding i definitely have an appreciation for it but you don't you don't need it when your beer is when you're making good beer um I'm a little biased. I I don't know a ton about all your beers or a lot of your beers over at Steel Toe, but I've got a few favorites. And for me, like, if I was to pin down, like, my favorite Minnesota IPA, it would be pretty easy for me to say size seven because that was always kind of like... Like, I always really liked Summit EPA. That was kind of like my first foray into, like, hoppy beers. Mm-hmm. And I remember following you guys back in probably like 2014 or 15 when you could just get the, the 22 ounce bottles, like what we have dissent here. Yeah. But, uh, I remember before you went to six packs and then when you went to six packs, that was just like a game changer for me. It's like, I can get size seven in a six pack <laughs> now. And I still, to this day, like, love that IPA. I don't buy it enough cause there's just so much other stuff out there, but definitely one that I think everyone should try at least once if you haven't
1: cuz it's it's a really solid beer. Actually, first time I had that, um I don't know if he works for you guys or where he came from, but this guy just swung into our brewery, um it was like on a Sunday and he's like, "Hey, like just coming back from a bachelor party, you know, we had a bunch of like easy drinking beers and I've got this six-pack left. Um I drink plenty of this, so this is for you guys." And he just handed it to the bartenders. Uh oh. Nice. Oh no, we're still there. Yeah, and so yeah, he just dropped it off. We tossed him a, a couple free beers and then I just kind of sipped on those for the rest of my shift. I was like, oh nice. all right. All right. This is a good day.
0: Yep. And sometimes that's so all that, it takes to discover excellent. Yeah, that's all it takes to discover a new brewery sometimes is just uh spread the love around a little bit. You try a a crowler or something that some bartender drops off at your joint and it's like Yep that's just for me, at least it makes me want to go pay a visit. I feel like I owe it to him. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool.
1: I know. I honestly, during like this, like during not the actual shutdown, but like when we kind of reopened everything, I went to a lot more breweries between then. Cause I always have Fridays off. So I'd hit those shoulder hours of like, right when you open and I wouldn't be there any later than like two or three. And I would just kind of hop through And man, the amount of like great stuff I had just, I mean, obviously, you know, it's always better on tap. That's pretty standard. But I would also, you know, pass out beers occasionally, just like not hoping for anything. It was just like, oh, try this one. See what you think. It's weird bringing beer into a brewery, though. It is weird. It can be slightly frowned upon um, and only do it if, you know, it's probably your beer yes yeah i can see that i can see that (laughs) (laughs) it'd be kind of weird if you're bringing like a six pack of bud light platinum into a (laughs) brewery. for sure yeah (laughs) although our our bingo players i've seen them pull some shit yeah yeah i've definitely been cleaning the
0: bathrooms at night and seeing like the captain morgan shooters behind the sink and whatnot it's like okay (laughs) dedication i guess spiking their diet cokes (laughs) it's uh yeah i don't know
2: Man, you got to get it some way, I guess.
0: That's right. I got to say, man, right off the bat, like I I know I kind of talked about size seven a little bit, but this is way different from that beer. I guess I don't know what I was expecting, but like right off the nose, super tropical. um, Definitely picking up like maybe even kind of like pineapple, um, whereas size seven for me is just more like kind of just what I want from my West Coast style IPAs, just kind of dank, piney. Um, Mm -hmm. this is delicious, way different, like two totally different beers, two delicious beers, but so different from each other.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely, I mean, I I wanted it, we wanted it to be different for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's played in a different, uh, played in a different flavor zone. You know, it's, it's, it's appealing to to a different type of, of, uh, of IPA drinker, you know I mean? size, Size seven is tried and true. West Coast, Pacific Northwest, you know, straight, orangey, citrus, piney, good, distinct bitterness. I mean, it is it's it's a defining IPA. But I mean the trend is certainly toward um, you know, a different type of IPA. And um, you know, appealing to that, that type of drinker and using different hops that are available to us now and um and more widely available to us now, you know, there's a lot of great hops out there. And we did a lot of that stuff in the taproom room um, over the over the years. We've done a lot of like one-off hop tread beers and things where we're playing around with experimental hops. But this was our first foray into really you know putting something in package and making something that's distinctly a bit different. Other, I, I guess sticker sticker fight is in that vein too, but it's it's bigger I and mean, it's you know over eight percent. So, but yeah, um, it's a uh, it, it's it's a pretty solid beer. You know, it's super drinkable.
1: I really, I really love the color on this one too. Like, cause you know, you, you get a lot of that, like that hazy citrusy kind of that nose from it. You get some of that flavor, but then we're, you know, pouring pretty clear here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think the the first beer I had like this was um, an episode we recorded before we were doing the um, beer dabbler in a box Sure. And yeah, we got this hazy from Ursa Minor in there. And yeah, like it said hazy IPA. And I swear to God, I was like, I think this might just be like a bum can. I don't know what the deal is because nothing about this is hazy. Poured crystal clear. Exactly. Honestly, clearer than like the lager we had earlier. Yeah. it was like, oh, yeah, I just, I love the body. And it's still, again, a little more carbonated. Than what your standard hazy would be, which is kind of why I like it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. We 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 are always trying to, like I said, we're trying to ride that line. So we're, you know, this is in our wheelhouse. This is us doing something that's maybe a little different than what we do, and we're not trying to, you know, part of also why I called it IPA and didn't try to define it as New England hazy, juicy, whatever, is because, like, in general, I like clearer beers. So I mean, we clear this thing up pretty good but we certainly are playing with some of the flavor and some of the aromas and you know the types of hops that you're getting in those types of beers but we're doing it in our way you know and, and you know we're make, making a really clean straightforward beer but you know it's a little more tropical it has some of that pineapply you know kind of tropical hop character and it's super drinkable Yeah, you, know, it's, it's you know, <laughs> we're doing new things but doing them the way we do them you know
0: that's awesome, man. I love to hear people saying that too, is just, yeah, not being afraid, being willing to get creative, step outside of the box, you know, outside of their comfort zone. Cause sometimes that's, that's how you find that great new beer. But yep, I know we talked a little bit about uh, appreciating tradition and stuff, but sometimes there is a, you gotta, you gotta be a little weird, you know? So
2: <laughs> it's I do good love to it. be weird. Exciting. Absolutely. it's It's good to be weird and it's good to know that you're weird and understand you know it's like like i know i know i'm a little weird i'm quirky like i'm pretty like i like a lot of different things but you could also you could you could put me in a box you know if you think you could define me you could do that but you have to you have to know that you're weird inside and be like yeah i i I can be what i want to be you know i'm gonna do what i want to do so embrace gotta own
1: it exactly i'm gonna name my new beer ipa deal with it
2: (laughs) yeah who, who the hell does that? We, we looked it up and people people, people were like, well, like, can you, can you do that? Like we sent it for TTB approval and it's just like, I mean, it's a black can with just this, it just says IPA. We're like, there's no name, there's no nothing. Like can we even do that? I'm like, why not? Let's just do it. We sent it to TTV. They're like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. You're good. I love it. It's
0: different. It's yeah, it's just different enough. And it's, it's still like pretty sleek branding. Where It's like, you see that just like on a shelf with just, It makes me want to turn the can and see if there's more. And the fact that that's what it is, is, is really cool to me.
2: Well, even so, so part of it too, when we, when we kind of came up with this, uh, not, not necessarily the name, but just when we started putting things into cans, we realized that, you know, I mean, if, if you've seen a can of size seven or size four provider sticker fight, they're, they're, they're uniform. You know, we have, we have a set brand look for those, for those cans. They're all printed on cans. And we knew that if we were going to do a seasonal or kind of one-off releases in cans with labels, that we didn't want it to look at all like our like that brand. So, you know, being really simple in the look and you know, real kind of clean in the appearance, not even having our logo on it. I mean, the the hot tread is is part of our logo um, that's on the front there. But you know, if you looked at that on the shelf and you didn't know steel toe, you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a steel toe beer. And that, and that's, that was kind of by design where we like it could stand alone and be like its own thing. And, uh, and that would still be okay. Um, so, and you'll see some new things coming out under, under this look, like it may be a different color, but it'll essentially have that hop tread and then a, a name or a style or something.
0: Um, okay, and we're going to
2: cool. kind of rock through that next year. So as after, long as we can get cans.
1: Yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> after you said that, I was like, wait a second, does it say steel toe anywhere on this can it does it does right above like the the ounces abv and style here it's hidden on there (laughs) it's like it's it's
2: tiny.
1: that would have been uh
2: we did it on purpose
1: that would have been a bold maneuver not even put your name on it be like no this is just ipa (laughs) just buy it yeah
2: they would they they, the ttb wouldn't let us do that (laughs) but if but if i could have i probably would have
1: that would have been fun yeah. honestly i think that would have drove me nuts had i bought it like okay where where is this beer from and it would have just consumed me for a while doing like some yeah. reverse google image searches trying to find it
2: yeah it would have been great we would we would have been like the the earworm of the beer world you know people <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell this thing was where did this come from <laughs> stop it yeah
0: well, we're here talking about kind of being weird and, and uh breaking conventions and bucking the rules, but uh I think you know the saying kinda of goes, you gotta know the rules before you break the rules. So it's obvious that, you know, you had to first of all really kind of get your shit dialed in before you could maybe start feeling like it was time for you to really push those boundaries and step out of the box. So I'm curious, when was the first time you brewed on a large scale outside of like uh home brewing like on a pilot system or something. Uh
2: I never brewed on a pilot system. Uh I mean my for, my first foray into brewing was uh well uh, I mean I I home brewed for years. Um yep. so you know ten, five ten gallons at a time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and then but when I when I got hired at Steeltoe I was the assistant brewer and my first like big batch was a 25 barrel batch. I didn't, I didn't pilot anything. You know, it's, it's one of the, we, we like to say that any, even, you know, when I write recipes now uh, and i mean the whole time that I've ever written recipes for steel toe, uh, all of my recipes are written at that scale. So they're all, they're all written at 25 barrels. That's the small batch. So we don't, we don't pilot or scale anything up. Um, I, I write a recipe and we execute it to that scale. Um, so it's, you know, it's a real, um, you know, there's a lot of science involved, a lot of, and there's some skill involved and some understanding and some experience involved in how you, you know, what, what your inputs are going to come out with. And obviously if you, if you, uh, you know, follow procedures and are very calculated and precise in what you're doing, you can get, you know, the end product to be basically exactly what you want it to be. And, you know, you might you might need to do some tweaking, but it should be a very, very good quality thing if you do everything right through the process. So yeah, I don't, I don't small batch or, or small scale or, or pilot batch anything. Um, it's all, it's all big. So most Damn. of our stuff is double batched. So mo- most things are double batch. We have a, it's a custom size 25 barrel brew house and we brew into a uh, double ferment. So they're like 50 barrel fermenters. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I even ever scaled any. Uh, I mean, I had hundreds of homebrew recipes, and I don't think I ever even scaled any of those up to our system. I just, I just rewrote kind of what I wanted, and then created that in a, on our production system.
1: How many of your recipes did you bring into Steel Toe, or have you brought? Um,
2: I mean, I, I mean, I had quite a few. I mean, pretty much. Pretty much every every new beer at Steel Toe for the last five years has been a recipe of mine. So um, I've I've been there about six years, and um, but all the recipes that any, any new beer that's come out from Steel Toe has been a recipe of mine. Oh, damn! I didn't bring anything in that was from like another commercial brewery or anything that was like at scale or like a production scaled beer that I you know brought to Steel Toe for the first time uh, it was all, you know, created at and for steel toe, um, the stuff that I've written there. So. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's,
1: that's a lot. I mean, like to bring a homebrew recipe and bag, okay. So we've got to do this, but to a 25 barrel scale, like (laughs) that's a lot. Yeah. No, I I
2: just, yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, I brewed, I'd say that there was one beer, there was a, pale ale that I brewed at homebrew scale, that I basically scaled up to our production system. But everything else I've written from, I've written for our system. And it's really that I think part of, you know, I mean, we, we've created things that have become part of the portfolio that we've brewed forward. But most of the recipes that I brewed in the past, I just kind of consider them in the past. And then everything that I write, you know, I'm kind of looking toward like what's the, what's the next thing I'm going to write? Um, I don't look, don't look back a whole lot in terms of, oh, like I should re-brew that, or I should brew that recipe that I brewed and brew it like at steel toe or at this scale. Um, I, I just kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to what, no, I mean, I, I brew a lot of like traditional styles and brew those to like very specific kind of parameters, but uh, in general, I try to keep looking forward and see what what's the what's new. What can I brew that's new, and what's the next recipe that we do? We're we're kind of in a you know in a point now where we're just trying to hold on. You know, so there's not a whole lot of it's not a whole lot of new, and you know, a lot of that creative itch is put on hold now. We're just trying to kind of keep our shorts on. You know,
1: it's, yeah this <laughs> this ain't exactly the time to be you know trying new things, which yeah. is an unfortunate thing, but like you we don't you don't have the leniency to like oh if this fails it's not the end of the world here that'd be a big problem
2: yeah i've always said that the the ability you know the the best beers come out of the um they they come out of not having a fear of failure or you know feeling that you could fail that like you're going to come up with something new and it may be a failure but the goal is to ultimately never have it fail, if that makes sense. You know, you, you kind of have to have that freedom to feel like, okay, I'm allowed to fail, but at the same time, to have enough wherewithal and enough understanding of process and ingredients and everything that you don't ever want anything to fail. If that, You know, that's yeah. that's, that's always the, the way that I look at brewing. You know, it's this collision of science and creativity, but you can't let the creative aspect overtake the science too much because you you have to adhere to the processes and the science. If you want to make good, clean, consistent, you know, well-executed beer. So, you know, those two things have to exist kind of in balance. Um, but that's kind of, that's always been my goal is being allowing myself to fail, but not ever wanting to.
1: (laughs) That that, that seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So.
0: Well, maybe bringing it back to what we got in front of us right now is uh, still finishing up our last few sips of this uh, Steel Toe IPA. Nate, what are you
1: tasting on this? This one again is is a little little different because like I've I've kind of flown away from hazies in the the recent months. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of them out there. It's it's a good it's a fun style, but you can kind of get burnt out on them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so this one's kind of a a refresher where it's like, oh, I still enjoy those flavors, but this isn't gonna, you know, peel the enamel off my teeth. Like which is kind <laughs> of fun about it.
2: You know? Um I like to keep my enamel. <laughs>
1: exactly. And as does my dentist, you know, it's just yeah. kind of it's a hobby of ours, something we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is I, I really like the the kind of combination of the styles where it's you still get a lot of that flavor good nose on it but it's not a hazy ipa yeah yeah and also the the clear body i don't know why like even if it had every characteristic of a hazy ipa except it was just clear the clear makes me feel better (laughs) i don't know what it is (laughs) it just really does it is
0: super clean it's yeah a lot of flavor um citrusy a little tropical like i said earlier um but at the end of the day, end of the day just really refreshing um what's that coming in at abv is that uh do we know Six, and that? A half. Six and a half. okay yeah bigger than i would have thought um yeah damn good beer um i think yeah you're right with the ursa minor comparison that's pretty spot on that it, it tastes very similar to to theirs but i think i like it just a touch more sure um i'm gonna probably put this at a 3.9 for me all right um yeah would absolutely buy again and also just branding alone really <laughs> bold i mean it's that made me want to buy it for the first time even had we not done this show tonight i probably would have ended up just snagging a couple of these out of curiosity yep so
1: exactly like, as a person who likes to do or who does a decent amount of marketing the wait are you Also the, or do you also do marketing for steel toe or do you guys have a separate person for that?
2: We don't, we don't have separate people for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Love (laughs) it. We, uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if I rattled off all the things I do, so, I mean, I, it's, uh, I don't know. We, we all wear a lot of different hats, you know? I mean, it's, I, I do, uh, I do work. I don't, I don't design the labels, but I work with our, um, our graphic designer and we do, you know, label development, um. I do marketing. I do like our Twitter. I run our website, most of the stuff on our website. Our taproom manager does our does Facebook and she does Instagram and that kind of stuff. She does all of our events, you know, taproom stuff. Um, you know, we have, uh, we, we have a small crew and, you know, COVID has made it even a little smaller. Like just as we've really tightened things down, we, er, early on, we, we had to furlough some people, but we we're ultimately able to bring pretty much all of them back. Um, we only lost one guy who was you know just kind of moving on to something else but uh, yeah we have, we have a small crew and in in a small crew you know we our, our owner Jason I mean he does a lot too and I certainly him and I balance a lot of things off of each other when it comes to branding and marketing and how we how we want the brand and the beers and how we want those things to present in the marketplace so it's it's a collaborative effort with a with a lot of different people but ultimately a lot of just a couple of people, you know, it's a, it's a small yeah. crew. So but,
1: not, yeah. not a, or some blurred job descriptions, which honestly is kind of how I prefer my job descriptions to be. I like, I like dipping into a lot of different stuff.
2: So yeah, that's, it, that's it kinda, cool that you get that. Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, I, you know, I, my, my main responsibilities are obviously making sure that we have uh beer, you know, that we're producing beer, you know, production scheduling <laughs> order, order ordering raw materials Uh, you know, making sure that our production schedule is, is meeting up with our wholesale demand, you know, making sure that we're packaging, you know, all those types of things, you know, main responsibility, but, uh, but I also do a lot of other things and it, it gets the, keeps the creative juices flowing, writing new recipes is, is fun. And, you know, coming up with new beers, coming up with the branding around new beers is fun. Um, you know, how we want those things to look. And so it's, it's, it's fun to do a lot of different things. Um, so.
1: Nice um but yeah anyway back to this beer um again that that clear body's it's really hitting home with me uh i'd probably put this at like a probably a four three damn yeah no I, i really like that like i said i've been off that hazy train for a little while here but this one is kind of i don't know it'd be like a fun transition to and from like if you were really on the hazy train. And you kind of wanted to dial that back. This would be a good transition beer for that, you know. Totally agree.
2: Like it, br- it brings you back to center.
1: Exactly. Like something that's like, okay, we're not just going to keep pushing forward. I had a hazy. It was, it was a while back now, but it wasn't even. It wasn't even technically a beer at that point. They had to call it a malt beverage. What? Yeah. Like it was canned, packaged, and stored by the beers. But it didn't say beer anywhere on the can. It just said malt beverage. Huh. And I was like I, it
2: it started with grain somewhere, but then it, it turned into something else at some point.
1: Exactly. And it was tasty. I'll give them that. But it was a malt beverage. Was it like
0: uh like a a four loco or a
1: <laughs> steel reserve type
0: thing where it was like strong? Like
1: oh yeah, it was it was pretty strong. I mean I can I can name drop it. It was uh smoofy. By (laughs) Brewing Project, okay. I think they're they. I no, they're Wisconsin. They're out of Wisconsin. Um, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was there was a lot going on there. It was a interesting experience. I didn't dislike it, but I can't say I didn't dislike the beer because it wasn't a beer. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird one. Um, but I think they kind of that's kind of their whole thing is just really pushing the limits as absolute far as they can for sure
0: i don't want to get too deep into the weeds but one little thing i thought of and it's it's just like a random marketing weird thing i've always thought would be funny if a local tap room did but like i know the volume laws are weird for beer what you can take to go out of a a tap room Mm -hmm. but would you be able to market a locally brewed beer in 40s and sell it at retail because i think some local tap room should make or local joint should make like a a 40 ounce malt liquor like and even do it as like a blatant like spoof on a colt 45 or put it in green glass bottles make it look like mickey's but i think there would be money in that just out of like the novelty and like make it Make it five bucks, you know, make it just stupid cheap. Like (laughs) I would totally buy that just as like a gag gift for someone, you know, or just, just for the hell of it, just to break out for a friend. Like, yo, did you see that modest is making malt liquor now? Like they put it in a brown bag for you when you pick it up. Oh my God. Yeah. Like there's, there's money in marketing for, for an idea like that. Oh, that'd be a good one.
2: I feel like somebody had to have done that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It probably didn't work out too well. That's probably why we're, uh, (laughs) we're talking about it but I don't know. I mean, we got a guy here who named his new beer IPA. So like, Hey man, it's working out. Exactly. It's one of those things. Maybe people just weren't like, Oh no, I I'm assuming somebody had done that before. They didn't. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's true. I, I, I assumed that there was no way we could just name it IPA, that it would just, it would, it would not work. Like there's just no way that we could do that. And then we just did it. So there you <laughs> go. <laughs>
0: Well, I know it can be tough to judge your own beers sometimes, Michael. But what would you give your Steel Toe IPA if you had to give this a five star rating or a rating on a five star scale?
2: Well, it's five stars across the board, right? right <laughs> there
1: we go. <laughs> exactly that's that. That's what I expected.
2: No, I mean, I I, I mean, I think this this beer is uh, it's fun. I'm I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big hazy like New England style IPA. I, there are some that are really really good. I mean, I give some props to some of the brews are doing really nice ones. It's gotten to the point where they' are a dime a dozen. they all taste the same. They all kind of have this thing that um, I, I mean I won't go I won't go into it, but you know they they're, they're just there's too many of them and a lot of them are super mediocre. Um, and th- this definitely isn't a hazy IPA you know by you, you know by design. we didn't want it to be a hazy IPA. But this beer, uh, I think, works really well for us to play a little bit in those flavor characteristics, you know, in that flavor profile. Um, I like that it it's 6.5%. I'd, pr- I'd probably like it if it was lower. So, if, you know, if I could brew this beer and sell it as is at, like, 5.5%, and uh, I'd probably make a couple changes to it to make it a little, make it a little more to my taste. But overall, I think, I think it's a solid 45 beer. You know, I think nice. it, I, I, th- I think it fits exactly for what it is and what it should be. Uh, it fits nicely into our portfolio of beers and, uh, and it's, it, it's selling nicely. You know, I, I think people are enjoying it and that was kind of from the beginning, you know, if if you like it, buy it. And if you don't, don't, it, it's an IPA. This is how we're defining it. We think it's pretty darn good and it, so far it's doing well. So, but yeah, I saw it, solid four and a half.
1: Four and a half. All right. All right. I mean, that. I- that's a little more than a dive than I expected the person that actually made the beer to do, to be perfectly honest. I was like, Oh, we're gonna get like a four eight here, four nine. We've had a
0: handful of five star ratings uh, <laughs> from brewers on their own beers. So don't don't feel shy
2: by any means. Just across uh, the board? No, I mean I mean if I you know if i'm talking to anyone it's like oh yeah it's a five-star beer it's money but you know (laughs) of course honestly and you know with some 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 of my own humble constructive criticism to to what i'm doing i think it's a solid four and a half beer you know i think it i i I think it's good there there are uh yeah that's that's where i'll leave it all
1: right that's exactly you can't can't dig it you can't dig it too much yeah um (laughs) For me, I can't
2: say, I can't say like, ah, oh, it's a, it's a it's a three three and a half, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to toot my horn too much, but I also, I also don't want to come off as being like, oh yeah, it's only a three.
1: Exactly. <laughs> it's it'd be like a weird line between pretentious and like just showboating. I, yeah, like there's, yeah. no, there's no good way to do that. Yeah. Is this,
0: <laughs> it's a tough, it's a fine line to walk.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I really enjoyed this. Like I said, it was like that fun blend between like hazy and not. Yeah. Like I, it kind of refreshed me on one of those, like why everybody really likes hazy IPAs. Yeah. Uh, Well, without,
0: without overdoing it. And again, like I know you kind of, you didn't, you kind of stopped yourself when you were about to say what you're, you know, the reason you, you weren't a big hazy guy. Um, for me personally, like it's, uh, we kind of touched on it earlier like i like a higher carb beer and i know for hazies it's lower carb a lot of times to get that mouth feel um but for me i would sooner gravitate towards something like this than most of your hazy offerings locally just because it's uh still got all the tropical flavor but i still get my bubbles so (laughs) it's uh it's a nice middle ground a little bubble boy there you go that's right But, uh, yeah, we just wrapped up drinking Steel Toes IPA. You can find it at liquor stores near you. Um, I snagged this one from Ambibulous, and they're always uh, a great local place to check out if you're searching for local tasty beverages. So check out Ambibulous. We're going to take a quick little break and be right back on Suds Buzz with our final beer review of the night. What's up, everybody? Thanks for hanging with us here on this episode of Suds Buds. We've been chatting with Michael Wagner uh, from Steel Toe Brewing Company in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And uh, we just finished our review of the Steel Toe IPA. Just IPA. Find a store near you. And we're uh, rounding it out here with a Steel Toe beer. Nate, what are we drinking next?
1: Next up, we've got Steel Toe Descent dark ale uh not gonna lie when i picked this up from the brewery i was very excited to see what like you told me dissent and i didn't know i was like okay well i'm not sure what that's gonna be but yeah just dark ale i've been butchering the name this whole time along so
0: i apologize michael i apologize apologize to steel toe fans this is the dissent (laughs) not the dissent dissent
1: is is that even i don't think that's
0: even a word is it i don't think so either
2: (laughs) Dissent or dissent? Discent. Discent. I, don't, I, I, I feel like if you said it with like a British accent, you could almost pull it off. <laughs> dissent. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. For sure, for sure. So I'm curious, Michael. I, I'm a huge lover of black IPAs. That's one of my just hands down favorite styles, but I have a very tough time finding them now. It seems like five years ago, every tap room had like a black IPA in rotation on tap even if they didn't distribute it is it fair to call this a black ipa or is this just this is just a dark ale
2: yeah so uh so here's kind of the story on descent so we we actually do we we do a cascadian dark ale uh which which is kind of in the black ipa realm we do it as a seasonal in like september uh and that's called douglas uh, Sure, but this is not that uh how i would uh categorized or defined by style descent is that it is an export stout um so it's a seven percent alcohol uh roasty chocolatey dark ale uh, the the story behind it is is that when when steel Toe started so this is uh this is one of jason's recipes he's the owner and, and uh founder of steel toe and um when he when he started the brewery the, uh, the name dark ale was used because there was another brewery that he basically, there, there's an agreement that we're, we're not going to brew a stout. Uh, now, is this an export stout? It most definitely is, but we cannot call it that. Uh, And it is so much an export stout that in 2018 at the World Beer Cup, we won a gold medal for it as an export stout. (laughs) (laughs) So it is is definitely a defining export stout. One of the the only other export stouts that you'll find in like even semi-common, that you'll, semi-commonly that you'll be able to find is the uh, foreign extra from Guinness. So Guinness does a beer called their foreign extra stout. And it is the the style of export stout was basically brewed to ship to British colonies and also from Ireland, but shipped to areas predominantly around the equator. It became really, really popular in places like in Central Africa, uh, Jamaica and other Caribbean islands, Central America. Um, So, But it's a strong, dark, roasty, 7%-ish plus stout. Essentially, so it's uh, you know, it's, but it's, legally it's a dark, it is it's not dark a stout. Ale. but Legal. it's not a stout.
1: Exactly, it is legally not a stout. Stouts right. are a twenty-one plus beverage. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> <It's right.
0: laughs> yes, awesome. Well, consider me educated. Um, that's uh, that's very cool, man.
2: Yeah. So it's 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 roasty and chocolatey. It's not overly roasty. It's not overly sweet. Um, it's got a defining bitterness to it most export stouts have some kind of finishing it's a combination of roasted malts and hops where you get that kind of defining bitterness you know you call it like an extra dry or like you know a dry stout you kind of have that defining bitterness um but you have enough sweetness and kind of chocolatey you know coffee-like characteristic in it that that kind of balances out um we use a little bit of oats in it. So it does give it a little, a nice kind of mouthfeel. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really nice beer. I mean, I, I don't drink it nearly as often as, I mean, I don't drink most of our beers as often as people probably think I do. Um, but th- this is one of those ones where sometimes I even forget that we do it. And I think it's, it's one of those great beers that oftentimes it's just kind of, Oh yeah. And, and we also make this awesome, you know, export <laughs> style. It's awesome. Descent. It just doesn't sell that well. It's not a super popular style of beer. Um, and in our, in our portfolio of beers, it's often kind of overlooked for other things that are hoppy or, you know, IPA double IPAs, size seven, you know, things like that. So, um, but I think it's an excellent beer. So I wanted to highlight it, uh, with you guys and, uh, and see what you thought. So,
1: yeah, like like I said, with, when like I saw dark ale on it, I was like, oh. I had a, um, I think it was Shakopee Brewing. They had a dark ale on, but it was basically if you took the extremes of both a like an export stout and a golden ale, and then kind of combined them, like that's roughly what it was, and it was really good. I just didn't know what to think about it. Like it was, it was yeah. just, it was a very confusing beer. Yep. Like yeah. Like it poured roughly the same color. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna affectionately call this motor oil black. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it also just had some really light characteristics that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. But knowing that, yeah, part, part I, of it. I'm
2: gonna, go, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I mean, go okay. I wish we could call it an export style. Like I, I wish we could because. <laughs> I think it, it defines it better what, you know, dark, dark ale is, is almost too vague. Um, You know, it's just, it, it it could, it could be, you know, what, what, what are you expecting with a dark ale? You guys both kind of exemplified that you're not really sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we want a black IPA or something that's dark and stout-like or something that's, you're not really sure what it's going to be. So it's, it's, it's just a little too vague, but it, it, it is what it is. And ultimately once you get talking about it, you know, I think the beer stands up for what it, for what it is. It, it also, you know, hopefully, you know, it kind of, uh, sometimes styles, you know, we kind of pigeonhole things into styles and that makes it like you have an expectation going into it. And, you know, this, because it's kind of vague that maybe people go into it and they're not a hundred percent sure of what they're expecting, and then they're pleasantly surprised, hopefully. So um, you know that I, it is
1: I for sure would say like I had no idea go what going into this what this was gonna be. Like I was thinking maybe it's like that dark ale that I had, but that was a completely different style. Yeah. And so it was like, or, and you kind of thought it might be a black IPA. That's what I was thinking,
0: yeah. I I feel like I've had this one too before because this is a a flagship of yours, yeah.
2: It is, yeah. Yeah. It it used to be seasonal, and then uh, we made it year round maybe five years ago, and it's been year round since then. Uh, I swear I've had it before. yeah, Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it has a very loyal following in the tap room. If it nice. didn't have, if it didn't have as loyal of a following as it does in the tap room, we would probably make it seasonal again, just because of how it sells, um, yeah. or, or how much we sell of it. Um, but it it does really. I mean, obviously, it's a little weird now that the tap room, you know, we don't we haven't been selling much of it. Um, right. But we're selling enough of it to, for it to make sense. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, it does it it has this loyal following and and also it's one of those beers that in our you know we're, we're big proponents of if you come to our tap room like we pretty much have a beer of every color and every kind of every kind of flavor profile you know from sweet to dark to sweet to hoppy to you know, floral, we we, we try to run the spectrum, especially from a color and flavor perspective. And if we took this out of our general, like always having available in the tap room, I think it would be missed. Like, I I think we would miss having a stout like beer, Um, you know, something dark and roasty and kind of sweet, because there's enough people that do really like those beers year round. Um, And that's just kind of their go-to.
1: It honestly weirds me out sometimes. Like people are buying like our milk stout or our porter on nitro, and it's like ninety nine degrees outside, and I'm like, well. yeah. But like, and then then you do it once, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it, I do. Yeah. But it, it's still every doesn't matter how many times people do it, it still weirds me out a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's funny with the you know I was saying about the the Guinness Foreign Extra, and I was in uh, I was in Jamaica. My my wife and I uh, went to Jamaica like 10 12 years ago and I had I had had Guinness Foreign Extra prior to that but in Jamaica I hadn't really realized to the extent of how popular that beer was in like super hot you know like island areas I'm like I'm like why why would people be drinking Guinness Foreign Extra here and it was like it was it was so delicious and refreshing they keep it in these like freezer boxes so you'll go into like a shanty roadside bar in jamaica roadside middle of nowhere and they'll have a freezer box with guinness foreign extra bottles in it and it comes out and it's practically a slushy and it's just oh. so blisteringly cold and refreshing that in the jamaican island heat you know it just it tastes incredible so i but the locals that's what they drink all the locals in jamaica if they're drinking beer they drink foreign extra it's so weird but I'd- to your point i don't know people are into it
1: none of none of that makes sense to me none of the words that came out of your okay. mouth
2: right there make sense to me
1: <laughs> it's like
2: no and it shouldn't it shouldn't make sense to anyone it shouldn't make <laughs> sense to anyone but somehow it does
1: <laughs> get it together jamaica
2: <laughs> hey man it goes
0: back to what he said at the beginning you know people uh people should drink what they like when they like it i mean there's a there's a beer for everyone and a, a time and place for each different kind of beer
1: so um mm.
0: Yeah, to each their own that that
1: is is baffling to me too, but uh but like 90 degrees and like on a like next to a beach and yeah.
2: and the foreign extras yeah. your thing? I, I I mean again, okay, think, sure, sure, sure. I think the the amazing thing is that anybody, you know, it's ultimately it comes down to that beer is such a communal beverage. Yes. That like some guy at some point, some some crazy Irish or British guy was in, you know, is in Jamaica circa whatever 1920s 1930s who knows I, I don't know the story I'm making this up but he's there and he's convi- he's convincing enough that like the atmosphere people are hanging out they're like you should really drink this really cold dark roasty beer you're gonna love it and some guy is like oh yeah I love it this is fantastic you know I'm not gonna do some terrible Jamaican accent but all of a sudden he <laughs> I was wondering it, if you were gonna do that I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna do that <laughs> but, then, but then it but then it, then it becomes a thing, you know, and then it, it, it somehow it becomes a thing and it becomes this, this communal time and place thing where like people, that's just what they do, you know, it's because beer is community and it's, and it, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's weird.
0: And it's a conversation starter for a lot of people or conversation lubricant, as I know we've called it on the <laughs> show before, but uh, no, man, I'm glad you selected this one because uh, I love Cezanne DuPont, but to me like this is this kind of embodies like what some of my favorite styles are like and it's hands down my favorite one that we've tried so far on the show tonight Oh, really? just as far as like what tickles my fancy this is yeah it's it's roasty it's bitter it's a little chocolatey but it's not it's not sweet you know there's no overpowering sweetness there's not like a uh a, a sugary tone to it it's just uh it's just that dark chocolate flavor um yeah i don't know it's uh
1: it's really tasty have you ever tried to cook with this one i feel like this would be fun to cook with
2: i have actually yeah, have I, you I, re- have a, uh, yeah I have a yeah i have a stew recipe that i use it in mm. you know it mm. really adds this nice like depth of roasty chocolatey you know it's it's good and like a really nice robust hearty like black bean and and uh you know like steak stew. Nice.
1: I'll say like I'd I'd probably add this to like a chili recipe. Yeah. I That's some that. that people always overlook is adding that like cocoa, but yeah. like the unsweetened cocoa to chili. And it yeah. really evolves the flavor. I've definitely added porters yeah. chilies before. So yeah this
0: seems right in the same vein.
2: We had somebody who was using it as a as the braising liquid for like a um they were doing like a beer braised um Uh, some cut of, of, uh, you know, red meat uh, beef that was uh, like super tender, like pull apart, like um, if it was like beef ribs or, but it was like basically braised in this. And it was, I mean, it's just like butter. It was like chocolatey, earthy, roasty, meaty butter. It was amazing.
1: I'm going to need to stop you right there because I haven't eaten anything in a little bit and like that's going to be a problem for me. Now I'm just thinking, I saw this video earlier today. Some guy was like, he roasted like a pork shoulder. He was making pulled pork. And in the video, he holds a knife up to it. Then he sets the knife down and just presses it with his hands and it breaks into shredded pork. I was like, (laughs) you
2: you stop that. (laughs) You stop it. I was watching it. You guys know, uh, I'm getting off topic here, but that's kind of the whole point, right? I was watching this thing and this this guy had bought, have you you heard of uh, Franklin Barbecue in Texas? Mm. So Aaron Franklin is like this savant Texas barbecue guy who is really well known for his brisket. Like his his Texas barbecue brisket is world-renowned, like ridiculously world-renowned. And apparently now, like during COVID, like they're selling it, they're like shrink-wrapping, they're cooking, they're smoking it, you know, everything, shrink-wrapping it up, wrapping it in butcher paper, shipping it on ice like across the country so that people can get it because nobody can go there now so i was watching this guy on youtube and he got one in the mail reheats it in his oven he's like i don't know if this is going to turn out as good as it was because he had like been to, to to the place in texas and he he basically did this is a brisket you know i mean brisket is a is a you know it's it's a very very touchy piece of meat but if you cook it really well i mean it's he takes this thing out, and he did that. He pressed it, and like the amount of juice, and it literally just like fell apart. It's like <laughs> it was. I mean, oh, I I was I was sitting there just drooling, you know. Just but, uh, holding anyway, it. Yeah, look, look up, look up, Aaron Franklin. Aaron Franklin. Aaron Franklin. What, Franklin what part yeah, of Franklin. Texas is that? Central Texas, Texas, maybe. Uh, like okay, uh, west west of Austin, I think.
1: Okay, because yeah, like I've. Like, I did a good amount of time. Like, I used to work a lot in Dallas every winter. And so, yeah, I've I've, I've done my fair share of uh, Texas barbecue joints. There's one called the Almond Club in, um, what's the, Deep Ellum. Um, okay. Right by, yeah, actually right by Deep Ellum Brewing, which is also kind of a fun one, huh. a fun joint. Um, but, like, this is the kind of place where it's like, oh, yeah, they've got a lineup for lunch starting at, like, 9 a.m., And they open at 11 and it was like, and I love those. I love that barbecue style where it's like, we have this much food today. And when it's gone, tough shit. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. We, we made this much and that's how
2: it's going to be. Yeah. I, I love the, the Saturday, like the once a week, Saturday, Texas, like barbecue joints. They're, they're literally open on one day a week. They're open Saturdays. They're open all day Saturday. They smoke, like, start at, you know, like, 1 a.m. Thursday, smoke through Friday, open it like, you know, people are lined up in the middle of the night on Saturday, but it's just like, it's like the weekly hangout, you know, people go and they get their barbecue once a week at some, you know, little uh, gas station, you know, a little garage type place that's, but it's making, you know, killer barbecue, like, ridiculously killer barbecue.
1: Like, like it. You think like by the time you get up there, you're like, all right, I've probably had something fairly close to this. And then you eat it and you're like, no, no, this is different. This isn't real food. This is, this is something else entirely.
2: Yeah. I think, I think it's the, those types of things, you know, if you look at, uh, I, I hate to put beer in that echelon because I always want beer to be something that is for anyone. That's like like the lay person, you know, like anybody, if they have a couple bucks, they should be able to get a really good beer. if They want a beer and that can be a, a PBR or that can be a Imperial stout or whatever. Like it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't price people out of drinking beer because I think it's such a great thing. But in that same regard, like having a really excellent, like style defining, incredibly well-produced executed beer is on par with any of the other joys in life, you know, excellent cup of coffee, an excellent, you know, piece of barbecue and excellent, whatever, you know, when you have those things that kind of define the moment, it's, uh, that's, that's what it's all about. It's, it's worth, it makes, it makes life worth living. Right. And <laughs> yes. like, during, during, during these COVID times, <laughs> like more and more, you know, you think about like, like what's it all worth, you know? And like, what, what are the things that are worth enjoying and, uh, you know, enjoy stuff that you like and uh seek out things that you enjoy and uh you know it makes uh it makes it all worth it
1: i was gonna say like dur- words. during like the covid time like i've put a lot more stock into just like consumables yeah like beer food i'm like you know what that's where i'm putting all my money like it's just it's much more of an experience and then it's gone yep. like i don't know i I've also been really into barley wine recently. That's <laughs> been a whole other thing. <laughs> Damn it, do I love barley
2: wine? Oh have, have you had our Lunker? Have you had our uh, our barrel aged English barley wine, Asian whiskey barrels?
1: No. was yeah. it is it at the tap room right now?
2: Uh, I think we still have uh, we have a little bit of the 2019 release left uh, that came out late last year. Uh, we didn't do it this year because of kind of things going on. Um, but yeah, Lunker is a ridiculous, like just velvety caramel, toffee, vanilla, aged in whiskey barrels, English style barley wine. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll
1: see you guys tomorrow. (laughs) I found out (laughs) yesterday that I live 10 minutes from your tap room. Uh, so yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. That'll be great. Sweet. I, I've got like five bottles of barley wine that I need to get through right now, but I'll add a sixth. I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about this stocking up. Love it. <laughs> it's,
2: it's, well, it's winter. It's winter. You can't have too much barley wine.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like that's right. There, there's a couple that I'm not as excited for. I did pick up, um, what was it? Liftbridge. They did like a couple variants on their commander barley wine. And I like yeah, Commander yeah. enough, but they did a uh, old-fashioned style, yeah. which I'm excited for. But they did a Pina Colada style, which I'm very hesitant with. If I'm going to be honest, Pina
2: Colada barley
1: wine. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Like aged in rum, rum barrels. I I didn't. I don't think they aged it at all, or I, I don't know if they aged it. But like their Commander, old-fashioned, and then Pina Colada were the oh. three variants that they had. So, and, you know, they, I'm not going to not complete the set. I was at the tap room. I'm not going to not buy all three. That'd just be silly. <laughs> I gotcha. You got I got, I got. I got got. <laughs> I'll get got a hundred times if that's if that's getting got.
0: Well, as much as I love a good barley wine, um, can't get a much better winter beer than what we're sipping right now. Um, the dissent... <laughs> he did it he did it on air the descent there he is. Skilto, the dark ale um
2: it is perfect for this time of year
0: it really is it's hitting the spot right now if i had to give it a rating i'm going strongest of the episode i'm giving it a 4.6 oh damn yeah i would buy this beer year-round real tasty there's definitely be another 22 uh, ounce bottle just like that one making its <laughs> way into my fridge very soon I was gonna say you
1: did have a hard time finding this, and that's why I, <laughs> I did. I did. It's uh, yeah, you know, know they
0: don't.
2: I don't think they carry it at on at um Omnibulus. Uh
0: Yeah, I had a tough time were finding you it, there. For it there. Yeah, I checked there, and I also checked uh, Merwin's by my house, and yep. um, I don't even want to name drop it, because I try to support the little <laughs> guys, but I went to the Total Wine in uh, Roseville, and I don't, I didn't see any Steel Toast stuff there, so they don't, they don't carry
2: our stuff. Uh, total yeah. wine doesn't. No, it was, uh, I mean, I don't have to go into the details, but we originally when total wine came here, we, we kind of made the business that we, we couldn't support the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we probably could have, but, uh, um, but we kind of made a business decision early on that it just, it didn't make sense. Like we couldn't consistently keep up with our existing demand, make sure that our existing customers were whole and supply enough volume to them. And then, uh, earlier this year, actually prior to the original shutdown and stuff, we had reached back out to them and I don't know, I don't know what they're, we, we went through their whole process and they're, uh, they're not carrying us, so. We've, well. uh, we, we've tried now now we've tried and uh but we haven't heard anything so. but, but anyway no no total wine
1: huh well that's good to know because like total wine i don't know actually i'm not going to get into that i'm not going to step on any toes i'm just going to slide off to the side here support the little guys that's what support matters. the little guys especially <laughs> now especially now especially now and also i love ambivalence so i'm just they're so cool just name drop them every time i can yeah well for you Nate, if you had to rate the uh, descent, what are you giving it? Um, honestly, this one was a tricky one because again, I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah, <laughs> like I was, yeah, like I said, last dark ale I had was the dark brown mixed with a blonde weirdness. Sure. Um, but now thinking of this more as a porter, so uh, um,
0: or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ex- Ex- export
1: exporter. style export, style, export yeah. style porter which stout stout <laughs> oh shit wow okay well i didn't call it the wrong name so i guess me and eric are one for one here yeah <laughs> we'll settle this you didn't, you didn't call it the wrong
0: name three times exactly we'll,
2: we'll just call it, it's a uh, dark ale we'll just yeah. keep, it at that. <laughs> just
1: keep it at that it is delicious um i do i really do like this one um it's not always it's, it's not my favorite style. Um I don't gravitate towards like porters stouts. that's just never really been my thing yeah, um, but for the style, I'd probably give it like a three seven nice, yeah um I would definitely drink this honestly i <laughs> I do love beers on nitro. I love the idea of it, but again, that carbonation part just kind of burns me a little bit like I love the mouth feel of it. But at the same time, carbonation is much better for me.
2: I agree. Yeah, I, we've we've done some uh, or done some versions of this on uh, on cask. So we, nice. we don't we don't pour anything on nitro, but we we do do some cask beer, and uh, this beer on cask is uh, is super good. You know, oh, it's I that bet. really soft carbonation uh you know a little warmer pour and we'll often add stuff to it you know it, it works really well with coffee we we've done a we do a coffee version of it semi-regularly that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um and we've done like cacao nibs or cocoa nibs, um coffee. We've done dark cherries, we've done uh like different fruits and stuff. It's it's really good in a cask with some stuff added to it. It just kind of it it really plays up a lot of the characteristics that are already in the beer. So
1: nice. Um have you ever done it with like a like vanilla bean,
2: yeah, we did um and we've we put it in barrels too, like put it in whiskey barrels uh, but yeah we did we did one that was uh we did one with like coconut, we did one with vanilla, we did one with cocoa nibs, done one with coffee, so we've we've kind of run the gamut of uh of different flavor characteristics added to this beer, um either in like single keg or kind of mini bright form or uh or in a cask that works really well and it it plays up really nicely damn i'm
1: always a word whenever i see vanilla uh variants i'm gonna i'm gonna go into a little bit of a story here but like it's not that long (laughs) um growing up we always had a neighbor and her name was otilla right and so you can kind of guess the age range of this lady that was our neighbor. Like I said, her name's Otilla. And every time she'd deliver, like she'd like bring over a little cookie plates or whatever every now and then. Yeah. And they could be sitting on the counter, and me, like 10 years old, I'd grab a cookie and I'd take a bite. And there's several neighbors that did this. But I'd take a bite and I'd be like, oh, these are from Otilla. Like they, She could follow whatever recipe, but I knew that these were for her every time. And we couldn't figure it out. Like nobody knew why Otilla's cooking or Otilla's baking would do this. Well, then one time I'm making, like making, I think it was banana bread, to be honest, but I added vanilla to it and I added too much vanilla. Like I had some Madagascar vanilla and that is much more potent than like your standard store vanilla. And I added too much to it. And all of a sudden I took a like slice of it. I was like, oh shit, that's what it is. <laughs> There's something about too much vanilla that gives it this... I, I don't want to say old person because that's not the right term for it. But like this, <laughs> it's not stale either. It's just like right in that range. I know what you're talking about. Even if you like smell straight like vanilla
0: extract or just straight vanilla like out of the bottle, it's almost got like a medicinal quality to it. Like it's yeah. got like a booziness to it. Yep. So yeah, you overdo it. It's uh, yeah, definitely.
2: I, I, so, I can, yeah. So I o- Oti- Otilla's ratio of vanilla was too high. Saying, exactly. She was using too much vanilla.
1: That is exactly what I'm saying. Or she had some real good shit, dude. Otilla's vanilla really, ratio.
2: really boozy vanilla. Exactly. <laughs> right.
1: That barrel aged vanilla. It's like a seventh
0: grade math problem. Like if Otilla puts three <laughs> tablespoons of vanilla extract into her almond cookies and is baking uh six dozen batches of cookies. I don't know. I'm not even good enough at math to finish the math problem. You couldn't write even write the math problem. Couldn't even
1: just freewheel that you couldn't just nah. roll right on through Otilla's cookies. <laughs> Good name for a band. Actually, that's not a bad name for a band or a beer. But like I'd be yeah, nervous to, I'd be nervous <laughs> to try that beer because I'm sure a lot of people have a similar experience to this. Yeah. Like a cookie that tasted like this is
2: outdated. <laughs> so so we are we naming a beer Otilla's cookies or are we naming a band Otilla's cookies? Because I I really like both of those. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I could honestly go either way with this. Yeah. Exactly but like at least if it was a beer, though, I'd be concerned buying it. I'm like, is this yeah. going to be way too much vanilla and it's going to be a problem? Yeah. Or like, is this just like a, I don't know, like 1950s pop band? A, a band <laughs> it is then, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, before we get out of here, Michael, uh, what's going to be your final review on The, the Descent here?
2: Well, well, since I since I told you early on, descent performed very well a couple years ago at World Beer Cup. I'm gonna break the five star trend, and I'm gonna give it a gold. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it.
1: That's great. <laughs> All right, cut the episode. We're done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have not had a beer receive a gold yet, so that's definitely uh that's a that's record making right there in itself. But. Uh, I guess the only thing uh, we've got left here before we uh, get the show on the road is our flagship questions. Like a lot of breweries, we here at Suds Buds like to ask uh, three flagship questions to all of our guests, speed round style. Um, and I think you kind of already as- answered the first one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot it anyways. So first question, what is your favorite guilty pleasure beer? Oh,
2: a guilty pleasure beer. Oh, like where I was talking about, like, Bush Light and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. in that same um, vein. Guil- guilty pleasure, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to not have guilt with beer, you know? <laughs> I don't want to be guilty about what I'm drinking. I agree. Uh, let me think, though. Uh, good guilty pleasure beer. I think uh, I, I'll go with, like, Pacifico, you know? Nice. I don't know. It's just something about it. It's just a really when – I, when I want a Pacifico, like, I want, like – eight of them you know
1: (laughs) that that volume
2: yeah and it's just it's just something that you know i want to be eating tacos and i want to you know be around friends and and drinking pacifico and just not not thinking about the beer just drinking it and enjoying it just it it is exactly what it should be for what it is so i don't know i i could go way worse than that but i mean i I love pacifico it's a great beer
0: that's a great choice pacifico
2: I haven't had a
1: Pacifico in a long time. It's been a... While. I think closest go, I've go had to, one. closest I've had to that in a minute is probably like uh, I think it's called Land Shark. I've had Land Shark before, yeah. Yeah, like that would Landshark. probably be the closest thing I've had to it, but not overly crazy about Land Shark. Well, uh, we'll get some Pacifico in the studio for our pregame beer for next episode.
2: All right.
0: but uh, yeah, do it. Question number two for you, Michael. Um, do you have a first beer memory or a favorite beer memory that stands out?
2: (laughs) Um, can I say two and they're different?
0: Absolutely.
2: All right. My my first beer memory, uh, there, there's a brewery on the North side of Pittsburgh called Penn brewery. Okay. Pennsylvania. Obviously the name of this brewery is Penn brewery old, uh, it wasn't that old. I think it was founded in like the early craft beer movement. So like in the early eighties, sure. um, my, my mom was, uh, my mom was dating a guy. I was probably like eight or nine years old and, uh, he left some Penn Pilsner, which was not actually a Pilsner. Uh, now looking back on it, uh, once I, uh, actually figured out what it was, but Penn Pilsner was actually a Vienna lager. So it was like an amber lager. But anyway, there was a six pack of this or whatever was left of a six pack left in the fridge. And my eight or nine year old self was very curious about what this thing was. So I uh, I, I, popped one. I can't remember even how I got it open. Like I must have just kind of known the bottle opener. I mean, I was savvy enough. I, mean, I wasn't like a tiny child. So, but I remember opening it. I remember drinking it. And I remember thinking it was unlike it was unlike anything i'd ever had before and it was absolutely terrible right (laughs) absolutely terrible um so that that was my that's my first beer memory and that's great that's an early
0: one i think that's the earliest one we've had anyone share that's pretty great
2: (laughs) yeah and i don't think i you know then you know fast forward you know 15 16 started drinking like really shitty beer in high school but Um, But that one, that was defining. I mean, I remember it so distinctly that it was so different than anything else I had ever tasted ever, you know, as a, as as a child. So, Um, and one of my favorite beer memories was uh, to that Europe trip. Uh, My, my buddy uh, Darren and I, we were traveling around Europe. Uh, We were like 25 and uh, we had gone to some of the monasteries in Belgium. We were staying at a hostel in i I don't even know what city we were in but we had gotten some orval from the trappist monastery orval we're in this uh hostel in like a communal room with bunk beds and we had these bottles of orval that we were drinking from the bottle in the hostel and all of these other like European and American and and other like, you know, international travelers, most of them, you know, around our age or younger were there. And they had absolutely no idea what the hell we were doing. And we were sitting there drinking Orval, Trappist beer from the bottle in our bunk beds in a hostel in some weird European city. And it was the most gorgeous Orval. We we even we opened the bottles and poured them into our Orval glasses that we had got from the monast- gotten from the monastery and drank them out of the glasses in this hostel. It was great. That's it was amazing. one of those. It, w- it was one of those fantastic, like just weird, you know, experiences. So yeah, it was fun. so
1: cool. One of those, like you, you probably look back on it and you're like, wow, that was a real weird, weird way to go about that.
2: Yeah. yeah i mean it was it was like room temperature too like it was just warm and yeah. <laughs> drinking a, drinking the drink you
0: know but again sometimes it's the the moment that makes the beer in that situation you know that's super it cool. was
2: definitely that, uh, yeah for sure
0: well final question for you tonight michael uh when you're not working with beer what are you doing what makes you tick
2: what makes me tick uh I have, I have a lot of hobbies, and I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm always taking on new hobbies, but, uh, but then I don't find enough time to do the ones that I really enjoy. So I, I've kind of narrowed it down. I like, um, I, I mountain bike a lot. My, my son and I like to mountain bikes. So we do a lot of that. Um, I, uh, I do a lot of building and fixing and, and that kind of thing. I, I do some framing, and I, I do a lot of projects around the house and that kind of thing. Um, I play guitar a little bit, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a semi-decent novice but I, but I love to play, I enjoy doing it and uh, I just love spending time with my family and uh, I've, I have two kids and, and my wife, we, we camp and I like to go hiking and we like to go up north, we like to go up to the boundary waters as often as we can. Um, so I'm, a, you know, I, I do a lot of different things, but those are, those are some of the things that make me tick outside of, outside of brewing and outside of work.
1: So, uh, side question. Would you like to join my band called Otilla's Cookies?
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Hell yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Otilla's Cookies, man. We, we could really, we could tear some stuff up with that band.
1: I was going to say, if we get a horn section, we can start a ska band, you know? ska's not dead i guess i gotta learn trombone now <laughs> that'd be great actually you strike me as more of a bass player to be perfectly sure. honest like somebody that always kind of seems blazed but he's not but like kind of seems like it fair fair <laughs> so till cookies i love oh, it to cookies.
2: <laughs> let's yeah, get the wheels great. turning it's gonna be it's it's gonna be a thrash metal ska rap band. Ooh. Oh cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> that, a rap, a rap rap over is. ska metal. Oh god. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> that yeah. sounds
2: yeah. I'll, I'll workshop
1: newer, some stuff. I'll kick it over to you. we'll, we'll yeah. see what happens.
2: Yeah. But with a horn but with a horn section. With a horn section.
1: Yeah. So you actually <laughs> might need to learn more than trombone. Finding a saxophone <laughs> player in, in this city, in this economy, real bitch. I'll be on the turntables if we got
0: a, <laughs> we got a we got a vocalist, you know, if we're, we got a rapper. Coward. Yeah. Well, Michael Wagner, Steel Toe Brewing, it's been a blast having you on here tonight, man. Um Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh you blessed us with a fantastic selection of beer. And uh I guess before we let you go, is there anything you wanted to plug, uh social media, anything of that nature, new beers?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, check out steel toe brewing, check out all of our social media, uh, you know, we we'll post on Twitter and Instagram, and I think there's still some Facebook stuff, but you know, we're, we're, we're on the internet, um, you know, with the, with the lockdown or, you know, with our, our pause or whatever we're in now, um, you know, come, come to the tap room, place an order online. We have an online ordering system on our website, our tap room staff are our baller, they're great. They're absolutely awesome. They'll bring your order out to your car they'll take care of you. They'll keep things safe and clean. And, um, you know, we, we appreciate all of the support that the community and everyone has given us because it, it really is trying times. I mean, it's a really interesting, odd, weird world that we're in at the moment. And, uh, we're glad to still be able to make beer. We're glad people are buying it and uh, keeping us going. And so we appreciate that. And yeah, go check us out. And, uh, I think you'll enjoy our beer. We make awesome beer. So.
1: That's that's pretty evident at this point. (laughs) Well, from Nate and myself,
0: drink responsibly, everybody. Rock on. And Michael Wagner, thank you for joining us tonight.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, guys.
1: Cheers. Cheers.